0: And welcome to yet another episode of the Dicer Screaming Podcast. Ah! Oh boy, we gotta get that checked. All right, and it's Friday, so we're back and ready for some topic. Up, uh, yeah, gonna ramble on tonight again. So stick around for that. We are,
1: uh, you know, hardly what I would call a ramble. Oh, uh, uh, we do ramble. A, I think it's a timely topic. Uh, the narrow jacket will be donned with all seriousness. Oh, so. You know all right, I, and don't be put off just because we're the gaming podcast that the neo odiug wouldn't keep.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> it's not not something that they want around, and uh, we appreciate that uh, you folks want us around. Um, we've got uh, Jason with some call ins, and uh, of course, he has some timely topics as well to add to that, so we're going to give some extra space to Jason for that. Uh, hopefully, uh You'll enjoy what he has to say, so we're going to get right to it. So, take it away, Jason.
2: Hey guys, Jason here. Great episode on sex and D&D. Man, I was expecting an hour-long talk on the gore novels and using them in games and how they influence games. I am disappointed. No, you guys did a great job. And I, I know you got bogged a little bit with the charm spell, but I think that's a really important point cuz a character's charm doesn't mean the dm takes control of the character. You just give the player different parameters, right? So the player still gets to play. A charm spell doesn't take away player agency. It just gives the character different priorities. So it definitely doesn't steal role if anything it adds role play opportunities to that player cuz now they get to you you they this new dimension of their character they get to play. If you as the dm do it intelligently, and, and don't make them do silly things, or don't ask them to do silly things. It can actually, you know, make it a more interesting experience. So, well, looks like the dogs are awake. So I'm gonna let you go.
0: Cool. Wow, those dogs sound feisty. Yeah, better get to them, Jason. Sound like they're ready to rip you apart.
1: Yeah, I know. It sounded like legs were about to be gnawed off any moment now. Wow, are <laughs>
0: feisty hounds.
1: But thanks, man.
0: Yeah, we're glad that uh, you enjoyed the sex and eating. Glad to rest of our listeners. Uh, enjoyed. Uh, yeah, we kind of kept it uh, hidden. It was a little awkward, like a lot of our first encounters. It uh, was a little. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, moving around that subject is, is kind of touchy because you don't want to go too hard on it. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, That's
1: what she said.
0: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, if we got back down in the charm spell, that was one of the things I wanted to pull out is like, if, you know, a good encounter that uses sexual tension is always with uh, a succubus or a similar seductress type creature it could even be a Lamia, oh, or even uh, a Medusa. Ooh. You know, hey.
1: all right. Snakes for hair.
0: Well, you know, the giving to the shadows, alluring you to uh, reveal yourself.
1: Yeah. Come closer. Look me, look me in the eyes. <laughs> Pow. Yeah. Bang. So, oh, man,
0: we wanted to just basically touch with one of the points that I think a lot of people have, Problems with, and that is the charm spell or dominate person, where yeah, okay, you're right that uh, done well it can add a new dimension. I think that's something. Uh, oh
1: yeah, if you've got a good veteran role player in your party, that's the person you really want to nail with a charm spell because they'll follow through and they'll do. They will do just like you described. Uh, Jason had it right, which yeah, is it's yeah. a great role play opportunity where you have this shift of emphasis from, you know, my party, my team, uh, to, hey, uh, you can't beat up my new friend. Or, gosh, guys, I I don't think this sounds like a great idea. Maybe we should reconsider. You know, I I think theirs was a fair offer.
0: Yeah, and the dark seductress temptress is always a good... uh role for a succubus to fill and it doesn't always have to involve direct combat or stopping people in the middle of combat to attack their friends but it does involve a lot of role playing opportunities and if you do it right it adds a lot and that's also uh, goes with some of the seduction roles or mechanics that are in various rpgs
1: i for one love losing a charm role because it's an opportunity for salesmanship like guys guys i i know what you're thinking okay but it's not like that it's not like what you think. Now, look, just because that's a mind flare, I, I need you to put aside your prejudices, you know, put, put all that aside, and just open yourselves up a little bit You're like to, to new ideas, new experiences. Look, I've still got my brain. It hasn't been eaten. So and that's clearly... where the rest
0: of the party inflicts non-lethal damage on Mike's yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> Knock him out. He's not himself you talking crazy. <laughs> so
1: Ah, they know me too well.
0: <laughs> yeah, Um. so yeah, glad you enjoyed it, and uh, again, uh, we hope that everybody out there enjoyed that episode, and if you had anything to add, or you know, uh, criticize about it, uh, you know, bring it up. We'll be more than happy to go back and revisit it. It's a pretty heavy topic, and uh, definitely it's one of those things where it can get out of hand real quick and one our big watch word is always know your table and always take a temperature of the room, you know, read it well.
1: Yeah. That goes back to our very first episodes, uh, you know, with this topic of DM prep, where knowing your audience, knowing your acquaintances, the people at your table, having some strong sense of where those boundaries are and being able to navigate your way through, you know, a collection of really divergent personalities. Uh, that's, it's part of what makes DMing such a challenge, uh, which I think is why we look on it with such reverence, the the whole... Yeah, it is, a, it
0: is a challenging uh, aspect to game with. And uh, I use the cinematic, uh, don't make it X-rated Barber the Barbarian, but, uh, you know, go drift between, say... Uh, The Princess Bride and Conan the Barbarian, the first one, as, you know, those are your pretty strong boundaries. You know, with Princess Bride being the more tasteful and well-approached view of romance and sexual tension to, you know, okay, Conan the Barbarian, the first one, where obviously there's going to be some stuff happening, but uh, you don't want to dwell on it overly. You want to have, you know, like, his relationship with, um, oh, goodness, Balira?
1: Yeah, Beliria.
0: Valyria, um, you definitely want to have some type of comeuppance because it did in the movie change his outlook on everything afterwards. His loss of, you know, one person that he loved.
1: But it steeled his will for a moment when he was going to be sorely tempted by Thulsa Doom.
0: Yep. So uh, glad you enjoyed. And uh, we got another message from Jason. We're just going to let this one speak for itself and uh, come right back
2: after that. So, again, take it away, Jason. Hey guys, Jason here. Just want to call to give you a midweek news update. Flying Buffalo has turned around and done the right thing with tunnels and trolls. I'm very proud of them. They've added the following disclaimer to all the PDFs on the on the um, dedication page. It's like the second page in the book. The spell "Obey Me" was originally called "Yes, I have changed it not to rewrite history but to avoid giving offense in the future. I, Ken St. Andre, sincerely apologize for any offense my thoughtless wordplay may have caused. My intent in 1975 was to amuse, not to offend, or degrade anyone. 8 one I think this is awesome. I think it's the right way to go. That spell name was offensive. It's. I got no issue with changing it as long as they let people know, you know that they're not looking at what was there in 1975, and now they've done that. So kudos to them, and I just want to make sure everybody knows Flying Buffalo it's a class act, and they've done the right thing. So thank you guys for letting me um, use your platform to let everybody know that.
0: All right, and, yeah, once again, uh yeah, kudos to Flying Buffalo for putting that in there. We're glad that that made the rounds.
1: Yeah, I am just immensely pleased. I, I got to say that that is the best of the best compromise position that could possibly have been taken, and I'm just – I'm touched that that is the outcome because – you know, Ken St. Andre is kind of a legendary classic in the biz at, on on good principles. He's the Bob okay?
0: Denver of gaming, you know? Yeah. He's I, a good guy.
1: You know, he's, he's not a person of malice. He's a person of mirth and fun and, uh, you know, surprisingly adept at uh, working with a variety of rule systems. So, you know, I, I have profound respect for Mr. St. Andre and knowing that, like, they just went with what I think is definitely the best approach, which is acknowledge the past, you know, have it be a thing that is still accessible, uh, but spell out very carefully why it has been changed and do the right thing. Uh, no, I, I approve across the board. So thank you for that terrific news.
0: Yeah, and it's really good. Uh, again, he uh, spelled it right out there. He didn't do it with malice. Uh, it was a clumsy attempt. At humor, and especially it didn't age well. It's not a joke that uh, carries far beyond those uh, early years, and you know, we've grown and we've learned a lot more since then, so again, he didn't do it with any malice, and I think uh, everybody's right to come across on that point of it, but uh, it needed to be changed, and so it has, but yet the lesson is there to be learned. So, okay, well, we've Quite a bit, uh, covered some our call-ins. Uh, we got a new uh, follower, uh, SFC Safer Gaming has uh, joined us, so we hope you're out there listening to our podcast. If you're out there.
2: Hey, hey. welcome.
0: And uh, all the rest of you who have uh, favored us in the past few weeks, we haven't got to you around to getting your name up on the uh, podcast. Uh, we will soon, so shortly. Just uh, nag us, let us know. <laughs> it's nothing. Uh, nothing that we're doing intentionally. Uh, no break tonight. We're just going to jump right into topic and go right straight in.
1: Oh, geez. Oh, wardrobe change. Where's the Nehru jacket? I left it in the other room. Damn.
0: All right. So... I was
1: counting on that commercial break.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, now you no longer have commercial interruptions. It's just all us all the time. Ah. Uh, you're trapped in here oh, with us.
1: Man. Yeah. <laughs> we're not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with us. Oh, boy. <laughs> ah, no. Um, narrow jacket aside, serious, excellent topic and timely. I, I think it's uh, an important one, and it's a return to a topic that we have touched on before, but times have rather radically changed since that initial episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about your local game store in the age of COVID.
0: Yeah, and, you know, this is a big topic because we've spent some time covering about gaming and the electronic frontier, how the changes of the quarantine and lockdowns have forced us to find new avenues to keep our gaming groups going and keep our campaigns uh, rolling ever forward. But, you know, also into that is uh, knowing your local gaming store, your LGS, is still out there and they're, working hard to try to keep themselves afloat. And so the things you can do to help support them so that they're around after this is cleared up.
1: Now, right out of the gate, uh, still super supportive of online gaming because at this time in a lot of places, uh, it is just not feasible to have large gatherings, uh, having a group of people cluster in a fixed location regularly uh, kind of increases the risk for everybody present. So, you know, that may be on hold for months and we don't know how long that will be. Now, since many people rely on their local game store for a kind of neutral ground Highlander uh, where everybody can meet... It seems appropriate to mention that even if we love the online gaming options, uh, that there are still ways to engage with your local game store uh, to you know keep your supply of nerd hobbyist items uh, freshly stocked and to keep them at least keeping the lights on and the roof over their head so that they can make it through this long, ugly stretch and still be there when it's all over when when things start to return to some semblance of normalcy we really want those little small businesses to still be intact Uh, and there are niche so you know we're gung-ho to fight for them
0: and you know there's a lot of things that uh, they've done they went to curbside service online sales um flea bay you know that's always been uh a venue for many stores, but now they're turning to it more than ever. And obviously curbside service is a new thing, but, uh, you want to make sure that, you know, making, uh, if you collect comics or you're part of the comic scene, you know, make sure you pick that up regularly, you know, don't let them get uh, too much in a backlog. You know, I know times are tough for a lot of people and, you know, finances being what they are. Sometimes just being communicative and telling people where you're at and when you'll be able to come in helps them. Understand where they're going to be right with your orders, or if you have regular pulls, where you're going to be and when you're going to be coming in.
1: Yeah, I would like to reference our local game store, one of the you know small number uh, for this little town we live in. Uh, Perfect storm. Uh, Carter Hatfield, you know, did a fantastic job hunkering down and managing to keep a kind of restrained but still available, uh, status, uh, for a while there, the, the store wasn't open proper, but curbside delivery, uh, shipments by mail and eBay sales, uh, kept him largely afloat until he could bring his staff back in as soon as possible. Uh, he ran on a skeleton crew for weeks and made it work, uh, this is no peach if you're dealing with a very small operation if you only got one or two people uh, i'm gonna throw out a suggestion you know if you've got a local game store that's a favorite and they mean something to you it's probably not the worst thing you could do if they're really underwater to throw them a little free help you know just say hey uh if you got some time off from covid uh, is there something i can help you do Because sometimes the man hours to keep an operation like that going, that alone is prohibitive once they get past a certain point. Very small operations, those can get by with one person doing nearly all of the work. Uh, But that does tend to leave them very vulnerable in the event of, oh, say, for instance, sudden cash flow interruption that lasts two months, you know,
0: more, Uh, more. Yeah.
1: So throwing a little bone their way and giving them some help. Uh, not a bad idea. Um, ordering product that, you know, you've had on hold for a while. I mean, if you say, for instance, have the wherewithal to do this, uh, and I, I blessedly have, uh, I have, made some purchases that I might have put off a little later into the year uh, originally, but I decided it was better to go ahead and put that money in the game store's hands and get that product uh, at a time when they were most in need, and man, did they accommodate. I, I got exactly the things I wanted, and I'm pretty happy with my purchases, too. I have expanded my five E repertoire. Nice, and I'm building towards effective DM status as opposed to amateur DM status. So I'm amateur. Amateur. Yes.
0: Aren't we all amateurs?
1: Well, enthusiastic yeah, amateurs. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't take any profit from it. Uh, it, it actually is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an expensive, uh, expensive hobby, but. Not sorry.
0: Well, you're not playing Warhammer, so it's not that oh, expensive. Oh,
1: Lord. I, Well, yeah, I mean, I uh, might as well get myself a nice crack habit. It'd be cheaper. Yeah. It, uh, hey, de- teach your kids Warhammer miniatures. It'll keep them off drugs because they'll never have enough money to get high. <laughs> well,
0: you know, it's legal now. in here for at least some forms of recreational use. Here Warhammer? Oh, that too. Yes, <laughs> sure. I don't think it was ever illegal. I just don't know if it's uh you know, something I'd recommend to the financially uh, responsible peoples out there, but
1: No, no, but uh no marijuana has been made lawful in, in the uh fine state of Michigan. So Yeah, it's yeah, kinda got that going for us.
0: Kinda cool picking up a old It wasn't pa- hard
1: to keep us home. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm
0: kidding. Yeah, we you know it just it's a it's a hoop being able like oh yeah we're just gonna we'll go pick up some and uh, smoke it up this weekend all right that's a that's a hell of a thing
1: yeah that it's certainly weird that I never thought in all of my days that the big question I would have in two thousand twenty would be huh which of the two dozen pot shops should I go to for my legal marijuana. Ah, uh, that, it never even occurred to me that that would be a question someday.
0: Yeah, you know? you know, you would have to, like, you
1: know. Not that I partake. Uh, oh. Much. Uh-huh. Okay. Anymore. We'll, we'll take that. Well, oh.
0: <laughs> Disclaimers.
1: <laughs> and it needs a lot of disclaimers. Uh, you know, like the, no more wheelbarrow loads. Uh, farmer Mike is not coming to town with his green crop.
0: Uh, that, yeah. Those well. days
1: have long passed. It is. Um, Hey, you climb ladders for a living. All Um, right. See if you feel like uh, taking your chances. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, of course,
0: it's just like using, you know, booze or any other kind of stuff like that that changes your personality or, you know, your outlook and perception, as well as your sense of balance. You don't want to be doing that while you're doing anything that involves heavy machinery or any type of risky behavior, so... Yeah,
1: any kind of motor vehicle operation or, uh, you know, just think, what would OSHA say? (laughs) Do you
0: like to fill out OSHA reports? Because this is how you're going to fill out OSHA reports.
1: No, uh, Michigan has weathered the COVID storm reasonably well after an initial really tough period. So uh, I would say a lot of places are just beginning to take chances and have group assemblies that are small, uh, five, six people. Uh, They're not quite up to Magic the Gathering conventions.
0: Yeah, Um, it's still uh, 10 people is max.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, gatherings are kept to a bare minimum at this time. Uh, however, in keeping with whatever the current legal limit is in your state or area, uh, you know, support that local game store the best you can. If, if they've managed to keep the doors open, uh, see if you can work out an arrangement for them with a the time and place and, you know, maybe start your gaming again. I've been eyeballing it for the summer. Yeah. Hopefully, before summer is over, we're very close. We've
0: had uh, Monday gatherings, but uh, we had one uh, guy who uh, is in the uh, public school system uh, have to uh, go back to uh, remote gaming, but we're able to handle that now. So,
1: an that's understandable a thing. choice. Yeah,
0: it's understandable.
1: Uh, love of the local game shop. This, it's the lifeblood. Uh, from which it's the wellspring from which all life flows, uh, in tiny communities, and I I got to admit I felt a little concern that these being almost all small independent businesses, that it was going to really put the crunch on the gamer community. Oh and, well, in in many
0: ways it has the tabletop community as far as even board games or role playing games go. Um. I think that they've done a lot better. Um, Board games, yeah, you can kind of play online, you know, but, uh, you know, there's usually board games are small groups, and so you got them at the house. You know, obviously you're going to play with your family or a few close friends or neighbors. That's uh, still going on. But, you know, tabletop community has adapted pretty well. The role-playing game has uh, transitioned very well. It's not perfect, and a lot of people say, well, it still doesn't feel the same, you know, the face-to-face interaction when we first got together. You know, a lot of people, uh, the gamers said, yeah, I was all right playing on Discord or uh, um, Google Hangouts or whatever, but there was something missing, so it was kind of nice to be back in the saddle again, uh, sitting down behind a screen at a table with real dice rolling. And going through and doing all the things that you did, like keeping track of initiative and handing out fumble cards and uh, crit cards and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, there's nothing quite like raising an eyebrow from behind a DM screen. Yeah, it, It's a peculiar kind of satisfaction.
0: Even with cameras, it's still kind of one of those things where, well, okay, it's working, but is it really, you know, quite the same? Um, you can definitely duck down behind the screen and hide when uh, you make a big mistake.
1: Like, oh, well, that, that's how that rule works. Oh, yeah. Well, and oh. Randy brings up an interesting point on the subject of board games, which have been inordinately popular during this uh, enforced stay-at-home time period. We, we've just had a lot of time close to our loved ones, and not really going out so much. That said, board games and things to fill in the gap—you know, things to occupy that time uh, close to your family—I've I've read of a kind of a surge of at-home little D&D campaigns with the kids. Uh, And, you know, going to throw in a little suggestion that's a little off topic, but I I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, Given the trouble so many people have had with the question of should they go back to school or shouldn't they? you know, See how much math you can trick them into with D&D. Because I'm just going to say, did wonders for my multiplication and division skills. Uh, breaking well, especially
0: divvying up... uh, out the treasure. No. Yeah, I, treasure I just...
1: and XP's, man. I, yeah. I became a master of long division, solely owed to D&D. Had nothing to do with any of my studies in school. I was usually asleep for those classes. Um... <laughs> yeah, Mike became
0: a proportional math whiz on statistics, just based on his traveler world construction tables. I mean, boy, you think that that, you know, like, okay, take this number, divide it by that, and then multiply it by these. I mean, they had a theorem. It wasn't really super hard because it was well explained and thought out. But you know what? It has a practical application outside of just Traveler, too.
1: Yeah. Aside from the English skills, history skills, and, uh, (laughs) you know, some basic learning and comprehension, uh, puzzles, uh, you know, obstacle overcoming, things like that are part and parcel of D&D. So I, I am going to just blatantly tout it as a useful resource in the educator toolkit if you find yourself at home and you don't want your kids to lose a lot of ground. Uh, take a look at what their current homework level was and see if you can sneak something from their studies into the game.
0: Yeah, throw and, them a champion's book and let oh, them chew on that one. Oh,
1: you. geez. Look, uh, I I don't think we're ready for postgraduate studies.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: Well, if your kid's Albert Einstein, maybe. Just saying. I, I gonna bring it blew a blood vessel trying to learn that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: And then I quit. I didn't actually learn it. I'm not going to pat myself on the back here. I I, <laughs> I failed.
0: <laughs> but um,
1: but I'm not afraid to own it.
0: Well. Far be it from you to be afraid of much of anything. Um,
1: But stocking up on those board games, that brings us back to the local comic shop. Uh,
0: Or in game store.
1: Or game store. Uh, This is your nexus point. This is your your supply. Uh, Rather than just getting stuff solely from online, uh, arrange curbside delivery if you can. Uh, Get that stock rolling so that your local game store will still be there uh, three months or four months from now. Hopefully, by then, things will start approaching normal life again.
0: yeah, and you know, uh, going back to what I was uh, getting at earlier was um while the board game and uh, role playing game community have transitioned well in the age of the lockdown, the magic community has not. Uh, it is you know pretty much a competition format that precludes almost any type of secondary use. There's nothing really to replace deck building and acquirement and trading of cards. Now, there's some electronic games that, uh, you know, Magic Online and all that, that are, of course, around and probably being heavily used in rotation for that. But, you know, a lot of stores have uh, really gravitated towards the Magic the Gathering card game to keep themselves afloat. And this is a big point, is that, you know, they're not... uh, they're not hosting tournaments, they're not hosting events, and uh, more importantly, you know, the card trade is just pretty much dried up. It's still going online pretty heavily in Flea Bay and all the other places, but that you would normally find trading uh, of cards.
1: Yeah, a lot of trading and swapping, but the competition-level play that generates even larger sales. Yes. Now, the collector sales are still in place, and that's great, and I I think people have... They've kept up with their beloved hobby as much as they can. But one of the driving forces is that you know competitive yeah. uh, level play that Randy was talking about. And without that, it's taken some of the wind out of Game Store's sales. And it's a pretty important piece of wind because Wizards of the Coast, uh, aside from their recent success with D&D, I mean, they're just a powerhouse of Magic the Gathering sales. And that has been a consistent breadwinner for mm. game stores everywhere. Helping them out at this particular moment, more important than ever. Right. Uh, I myself have also, you know, kept up a certain amount of hobbyist stuff in addition to D&D books. So I picked up a few knickknacks and guggaws I might normally not have gotten just because I wanted to throw that little extra support to, towards the game store.
0: Yeah, and even if you're kind of hostile to collectible card games or TCGs, uh, trading card games, um, you know, the fact that it has given water to all ships in harbor, you know, rises uh, it rises all the ships when there's more in there. We have to look at it as it's a big community, and um, even though it's perfectly attached, uh, they're. I believe that they've just released a Theros supplement.
1: Oh well, uh, actually, the most or recent release. Oh, oh, the fifth edition. Okay, yes, Wizards of the Coast, uh using their D and D imprint, released a
0: uh... a campaign setting.
1: Yeah, it's a campaign setting for the. Theros, mythos. Uh, yeah, Theros was uh, quite some years ago in Magic Gathering terms. I mean, we're going back. Uh,
0: yeah, we're going back a little bit
1: uh, into the wayback machine, Mister Peabody. Um, and the recent release of this, I, I can only say without giving spoilers, that I did crack open one of the books, and I got a chance to sit down and give it a hasty thumb through. And I'm I'm tentatively going to throw my approval because I I have not gotten it to the game testing actual play mode. Okay, So I, I, I have to withhold some approval until that experience comes to pass. But pro tem, I'm going to say they've done a terrific job fleshing out and bringing to life a Magic the Gathering mythos, a, a setting yeah. um, from one of their earlier releases, and making it come to life as a viable campaign setting that is rich, fully fleshed out, uh, has a variety of spell and class options, as well as you know, different uh, oh, heritage lineages to, to descend from. Uh, And it is something of a war amongst the gods and spawn of the heavens. uh,
0: Yeah, very uh, Olympian in feel and scope.
1: Yes, very much so. Very much a uh, homage to the classical Greek mythos. And you can really see the the similarities. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those moments where, and I admit, I'm one of the people who did fret that this was going to be one of those moments where two things that don't belong together uh, wind up being jammed into one. This is kind of how I felt about the fourth edition. That too many elements of other types of games were pigeonholed into what was trying to pass itself off as d and uh, And it had deviated too far from Dungeons & Dragons to be truly called Uh, an inheritor to the Dungeons and Dragons tradition. But this time, much like with the Ravnica City of Guilds, they have made a successful combination where D&D is the unaltered platform and the material from Magic the Gathering is merely the setting, the backdrop. Uh, It's more cosmetic and... I approve. This kind of fusion, I approve of. Yeah, and and So that's a product that's out there right now that's well worth taking a peek at if you get the chance. Yeah,
0: so if you've ever had a a hankering for a classical Greek campaign, and, you know, I think uh, the old second edition Age of Heroes. Perfect uh,
1: example. Well done.
0: Splatbook, the green covers. Uh, They had Mighty Empires and a couple others uh, that were really good. They had the Norse one, which is one of my favorites. For obvious reasons.
1: Oh well sure.
0: But uh you know, those uh semi historical settings were really well well done and worth checking out. I always wish they had done an Egyptian one. Oh. You know, that's that's one where, you know, Age of Pharaohs or uh jeez, what would you call it? The...
1: well Bronze Age gaming. I mean a la RuneQuest, Quest, uh
0: yeah, RuneQuest is kind of one of uh, the third edition Avalon Hill uh, lent itself well to doing stuff like that. But uh, they didn't, uh, I don't know. It was one of those things where I think, you know, maybe one day we'll talk about the third edition Avalon Hill uh, Glor- or RuneQuest. Uh, where they, Glorantha was kind of an afterthought. I mean, they did, uh, at the end of the line there, go pretty heavy back to its roots. Publishing a lot of good stuff. uh the Hero Wars, and uh, Pavis, Big Rubble, and uh, a couple of the other classic settings that were fleshed out. I mean, they they kind of uh, flubbed it up by changing Griffin uh, Mountain to, which was a great uh, wilderness campaign, right up there with the Judges Guild one, uh, the great wilderness campaign there, High Wilderness. Uh, they made it a Griffin Island, and changed it in scope quite a bit. And, lacked a lot. I mean, it was still kind of the same thing in a way, but yeah. Huh. So, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it was a good attempt. I'm not saying that uh, Avalon Hill was wrong to do it that way. I would just say that they they lost something in the translation by making an island rather than a, a place in Glorantha. It, it drew a lot of strength from the setting. And, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But oh. uh, that... That aside, I mean, uh, there's a lot of good stuff that uh, has come out of historical gaming, but having a strong fantasy element, Greek mythos uh, style, with the gods subtly changed and where you're not playing in a historical setting, but you're playing in a fantasy setting that has allegories to historical and mythological echoes in it, that's... That's not too bad, and I think that's worth a look. So it intrigues me, and I want to see more of the stuff like that developed. And I think Magic is uh, the gathering.
1: A lot of inventive minds have gone into it. Uh, There's a lot of lore. Exactly. Over the years, uh, a change happened that I didn't have any part in predicting or foreseeing. Uh, They went from simply cards that had a kind of mythical quality about them, and certainly were inspired by classical myths. You know, like uh, unicorns and Pegasus and dragons and all of oh, these yeah. very familiar tropes out of fantasy gaming uh, worked their way into the cards. Now, the next phase started being settings where a story was kind of unfolding and how it panned out. You know, it was left loose like, here are these five powers. Buying relatively for control. And what shape the world takes depends on how the game goes, because these are forces eternally at odds. Uh, and the, the setting or backdrop uh, took the shape of nations uh, and, you know, physical places that were described loosely through the cards. And that was... More like campaign building, than it was just uh, card game making, and I approved because hey, I like a good story.
0: Now, oh, right, and you know the whole idea of planeswalkers is what you're playing when you build a deck. You're a planeswalker. You're a magician of great caliber and formidable resources that have many uh, allies, spells, and abilities to draw upon. Is what the core of the magic experience is nominally outside of it, but not many players really uh, grasp that. I don't think it's because they don't care to. It's part of the game to collect and build a deck that you can whoop your opponents with, and so story takes a back seat to that.
1: Yeah, fair enough, and that's what makes what happened with D and D so interesting, is that for once the backstory gets to take the front seat. And I love that. I think that's a terrific quality. Uh, And it puts some product on shelves that I think a lot of DMs would be inspired by. I know I was, you know, even at a glance. uh, And I personally know somebody who took time out to build a classic Greece-based campaign world. Uh, Just to have that Bronze Age, Age of Heroes, uh, mythic narratives... Battle uh, you know against uh, impossible odds and both friendly and antagonistic deities and their servants, I, big, big classical themes, uh, and they did it all homebrew because Theros had not yet been published. I have a strong suspicion that had it already been out there to purchase, they would have just gotten that and saved themselves a lot of hard work,
0: yeah. Yeah, and, you know, here we are rambling on, and uh, we went from talking game stores to magic and uh, campaign settings. So, wow. Well,
1: sure, but taking your inspiration from the materials out there at your local game shop, totally worth your time. Yeah. And I, I do want to throw in one last important tidbit. Uh, no shame in gift carding a pal. You know, if you've got a gamer pal who... Uh, One of you is uh, doing pretty well and uh, the other's not. Uh, You know, flip a little gift card to go buy something down at the local game shop. Lift their spirits in these rather troublesome times. It helps the game shop and cheers up a friend. It's literally a twofer. You (laughs) you cannot lose. It's win in every direction.
0: I agree. All
1: right. (laughs) I'm not retreating. I'm attacking in reverse.
0: Exactly. You got them right where you want them. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this Friday. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our little podcast. And as always, if you have questions or comments, and you probably have many concerns, but, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Balin uh, inspires me all the time. Uh, If you like what we're doing here, uh, go find that uh, subscribe button. Go to the store, get you one of those caramel apple kits. And go get a red onion and uh, dip that red onion in there in that, and, and give it to the uh, subscribe button, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Why would you do that? <laughs> because
0: that subscribe button, you know, has it coming.
1: That is edible hate. Yep. Oh, my God.
0: Thank you, Mr. Valen, for that. And uh, <laughs> just totally cracked me up. But, uh, yeah, we'll share that with you. Just take that subscribe button, give them that red apple caramel uh, onion pop, and uh, just just enjoy you'll take me later <laughs> so uh yeah you can do that and also get a hold of us on our facebook page give us some comments we've been getting some more likes and stuff seeing larry hamilton joined yeah. us finally and, hey, uh, welcome larry hope you're doing all right buddy and also uh all you friends and uh supporters out there thank you for your kind help we're going to probably uh keep it going here uh probably tuesday coming up here we got a nice show lined up for you already there so, tune in then, but until that time comes again, you can get a hold of us on our normal haunts at Twitter and, of course, at our Facebook page, The Dice is Streaming. But until next time, may, may the, the dice, dice always roll, roll in your, your favor.
1: favor. We're out. See ya.